Well, are you all packed up and ready to go home? Do you wish it could last another week? Well, if, I'm sure Willie will, will plug it, uh, but summer camp here is amazing, and it's a week long, and if you are in high school, you have the opportunity to come and try out and work all, not all summer, but maybe all summer, and it is an opportunity uh, of a lifetime. Uh, camp ministry is in an amazing ministry. Uh, God does amazing things. I rededicated my life to the Lord at camp. I met my wife at a camp. I got married to her at a camp. I did my internship for my master's degree at a camp. I love speaking at camp. I love counseling at camp. I love camp ministry because God does really cool things when you get outside of your normal bubble of life. So hopefully you have been encouraged this weekend. Uh, hopefully your, your cabin mates were able to, to build relationships together. And hopefully hearing God's word and singing praises to God has helped you better understand who you are in Christ. When I was uh, in... Uh, junior high, high school, I absolutely hated homework. Of course, if you like doing homework, you're probably just weird. Uh, so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you like homework, because I just called you weird. Uh, but there's a rule in my house that you could not go hang out with your friends after school until your homework was done. I don't know if your parents are like that, but my dad would say, when your homework's done, you can go out and hang out with your friends. And I loved hanging out with my friends. I hated doing my homework. So I had this little game that I, I played with myself. I tricked myself. I made myself think this way. And I would think of a homework I had done, like my math homework. And my dad would say, as I'm ready to leave out the door to go to my friends, he'd say, is your homework done? And I would think in my head, my math homework is done. And so I would say, yes. But English, which I hated, was never done. And so I'd say, yes, and I'd walk out the door, and I'd go hang out with my friends, and I manipulated my thinking so that I could do what I wanted to do. Now, was I telling the truth that my homework was done? No. Part of it was done, but my homework was not done. I wanted to get away with it because I saw something that I desired more than actual obedience to my father and my mother. I mean, was I really lying? I mean, I, I did my homework. I did my math homework. Was I really lying? Is it really that big of a deal if I didn't get my homework done? Justifying all of these actions or lack of actions that I would do in my life. This weekend, we've been looking at truth. What is truth? We've, we've seen that Jesus Christ himself is truth, and, and truth is anything that, that God has given to us through the words of Jesus Christ. We, we have that in the word of God. Jesus Christ is the word. We have seen what truth is. We've, we've learned that it is not wise to seek the counsel of those around you, but we need to seek the counsel of God. We learned about the dangers of following your heart, but the benefit of following the heart of God. 
And we can know all these things. We can know every single truth. You can get 100% on all your tests. You can get uh, the perfect score on your SATs and your ACTs. You can, you can do everything perfect, but if we don't take that knowledge and put it into practice, it's worthless. I can know the truth, but if I don't live the truth, what good is knowing the truth? From the time of creation, God has been present with his people. We just talked about this last night. God came down into the garden and he walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. He was with his people. He guided his people. He protected his people. He made sure that their needs were taken care of. If they were wounded, he treated them. And that is why he is called the good shepherd. But if you remember... In one of the last messages, Israel decided that God being the king of their life wasn't worth it. They wanted what everybody else had. They wanted their own king. And so God gave them over to their heart. And that's where we're going to find ourselves in this passage today. So you can turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15. God told Samuel, go and give them a king. And, and it's really cool how, how God created uh, this process. Samuel went and got, uh, God chose Saul to be the king of Israel. And for a while, Saul was a pretty good king. He sought the Lord for a period of time, but after a while, he started looking to the gods around him. He started looking to the people around him. He started looking at himself and puffing himself up and, and thinking that he was what was special with Israel, and he started to turn his back away from the truths of God. We come into a situation right here where, where God is going to give him a very specific series of instructions. And we're going to see how he responds to those instructions. And just like Saul, God gives us instructions in life, and we have two choices. We can choose to follow those instructions and obey, or we can choose to do our own thing and disobey and ignore God. So join with me in 1 Samuel chapter 15, starting in verse 1. And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me, uh, sent me to anoint you king over the people of Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote the destruction, all that they have. Do not spare them. Kill both men and women, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. You see the very, very pointed instruction, and we see that when God calls us, he calls us to act. I don't know. There we go. When God calls us, he calls us to act. We cannot obey if we're not acting on that in obedience. Saul is given a very specific command here, and He's told, go in and completely destroy everything. Now, some of you right now 
reading this passage or listening to the reading of this passage can, are asking this question, how could a good God want death? How could a good God desire war? And although that's not the purpose or the direction we're going this morning, I want you to understand that God is perfect. He is just, he is holy, he is loving, he exists outside of time, he knows what is best for his people, and everything he does falls within his perfect righteousness. So I, I, even though we see something and we're like, why would that happen, and, and we disagree with something, we need to comprehend that we do not really know what God knows. Our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. And so when we read things like this in Scripture, a lot of times our, our um, antagonists in the world will say, well, see, God is just a bully or God is just a murderer. But what they don't understand is that we all deserve death. None of us deserves life. And all of our sin is directly opposing God. And God in his perfect holiness and righteousness has every single right to just snuff us out like this. But because of his mercy and his grace, he allows us to make choices. Time and time again, we see in the Old Testament where Israel is called, destroy them completely. They don't destroy them completely. And people within that culture come in and completely corrupt Israel. And Israel turns over to their gods instead of following God. We don't understand everything that God understands. So when you read truths from God's scripture that you don't comprehend, don't take your personal experiences and put them in the pages and think you know better than God. Because he created all things. Did you notice the list of every single thing that we read in scripture that is called to praise the Lord? His entire creation will praise the Lord. Why? Because he is perfect and he is holy. And when that perfect and holy God calls us to do something, we are to do it. Now, I will tell you this. When, when, when the book was closed and it was no longer being written... God is not going to add or take away from this. So God is not going to call you to go and kill somebody. He's not going to do it. The canon is, is, is closed as far as his writing. There are a lot of perverted people out there who will try to say they're doing something in the name of God and it completely contradicts the, what God has called us to do. God told Saul to obey and he was very specific with that calling. When God gives us instructions in his words, they are not recommendations. If we obey, we must act on his call. And when we act on his call, we show him that we love him. 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God... And obey his commands. I loved my basketball coach in high school. He became more of a friend than a coach by the end of my senior year of high school. If he told me to jump, I would say how high. I wanted to please him. I wanted to do everything for him. Not to manipulate my playing time. 
but because he showed me that he loved me and he gave me an opportunity to learn and grow and even discipline me. And because I wanted to show him the respect and the love that I had towards him, when he told me to do something, I desired to do it. God, when we want to show him our love, we show him by obeying him. Now, the adults in here, many of you are married. Teens, a lot of you want to get married. And when you want to show your significant other that you love them, is just saying, I love you enough. I love you, but I'm going to go out with this person tonight. How would that go over? I love you, but we're not going to spend any time together. I love you, but, you know, I'm not going to listen to you. No. If we love them, we spend time with them, we listen to them, we talk with them, we show them our love by the deeds that we do because we love them. My wife is, well, she's at church right now, but my wife is at home with three children because she loves me. Because she knows that I love being in a, in a position where I can just love on God by presenting his word. She couldn't be here this weekend. She had other things she had to do. And even though she's sick, she's taking care of three children. She's teaching Sunday school this morning to teenage girls. And she's doing that because she loves. You can't love and be still. You have to love by action. We show love when we're obedient, 1 John 2, 3 through 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Am I walking in the path of righteousness or am I walking in the path of the father of darkness? Because we can only obey one. I recently joined a, a health program. My wife and I recently joined a, a health program where, where we need to eat certain food and, and, and some really smart person figured out how it was all going to work. And, and if you eat their food that they recommend, you will see the progress that you want. But if you decide that you want to just cheat the system and eat whatever you want, you're not going to receive the end goal. I've been on the journey for eight weeks, or almost eight weeks, and I've seen a great change in my health. Now, you know how hard it's been to be here at camp and see you guys eat nachos? That's like my favorite. Like, give me a plate of nachos with that chili cheese, and oh man, it's amazing, or the pizza. One of you, and I'm not going to point you out in person, is like, oh, can't you just have a cheat day? You know, and try to offer me a piece of pizza. They didn't understand what was going on in my journey. I'm like, no, if you want to have success, you can't have a cheat day. If I want to be successful in my health program, I actually have to do the steps it takes for me to do it, and I have to be okay with that. Because to obey means to do. Reminds me 
of a story about two wolves. I don't know where I first heard this. It's not original to me, uh, but I think it fits perfectly. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on side of me, he says to the boy. It is a terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil, he is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good, he is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the same, same fight that is inside of me is inside of you. The grandson thought about it for a minute or two and asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. When we act on God's calling, we feed the truth. When we disobey the Lord and do what we feel is best, we feed the enemy. The, the war that is within us. Now, second thing that I want to, to talk about is partial obedience is disobedience. First Samuel 15, starting back in verse 8. And he took Agog, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to the destructions all the people on the edge of the sword. But Saul and his people spared Agog and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was, to, and to, and it to, was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, blessed be you to the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen I hear? Saul said, they have brought them out from Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted for destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. He said to him, speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, you are not the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go devote yourself to the destruction of the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? 
And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on this mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agog, the king of the Amulites, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil and the sheep and the ox and the best of the things and devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Saul and his people spared Agog and the best of everything. Saul has a lot of courage, a lot of guts. I did obey. I, I did obey. I went on this mission. That's about as dumb as me saying, yes, my homework is done. No, it's not. Saul did not obey God. What did God tell him to do? Destroy the bad things, right? Destroy just these things. What did God tell him to destroy? Everything. Did Saul destroy everything? No. Saul, Samuel makes me laugh. He goes, uh, what's the bleeding I hear? What's the, what's, what's the sheep and the ox that I hear? If you, do, if you obeyed God, what are all these other things that are going on? And Saul, in his cowardness, blames everybody else but himself. The people... They saved it, and they saved it because they wanted to give God a good sacrifice. Who did God give the commandment to? Saul. Who is Saul? The king. What authority does the king have? Everything. You can't blame the people. Saul was the one responsible. Oh, but I just saved, I just saved uh, the king. I destroyed everything else. I obeyed because I went on mission. As a youth, I went to church on Sunday morning. I went to church on Sunday night. I went to church on Wednesday night. I served in our children's ministry. I worked in vacation Bible school. I did everything that our church did. I did my, my programming and all of that. And all of those are good. We should be doing those things. But if we do not take that and live it, it's worthless. It's worthless sacrifice to say that I'm obeying with my lip service. No, we need to live our lives by our feet. So the health plan that I tell you that I was on, as I've been on the journey, I've talked to a few people who have been on it, and it's been kind of fun to see their journey, to see their story. Uh, one friend who I got permission to tell the story about, I won't mention him by name, uh, told me he lost 100 pounds on the program. That's a great thing. But then he got off the program, and he got back into his unhealthy habits, and he gained a lot of that back. So he decided that he was going to get back on the program, but this time he was going to cheat the program. He was going to eat what he was supposed to eat, but then he was going to kind of just kind of just a little bit sprinkle in things that he knew he shouldn't eat. And he goes, it didn't work. Why do we do that with our lives? We, we say we're following the Lord, but we want to sprinkle in all of this thing of the world. And we, we're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I, I, I'm just going to dabble in all these things that just, it's not going to hurt anything. Partial obedience is disobedience. 
James chapter 4, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. I'm going to read that again because this is very convicting to me and I want us to all understand. Sin is not just doing what God tells you not to do. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. 2013, I was in ministry in South Carolina. And through the men and the women that God used in my life, they started encouraging me uh, to, to follow God's path and plan to, to not be in that ministry anymore, to, to walk out on faith and to, to leave that ministry. But things were going so well that I didn't want to listen. Kids were getting saved. They were getting baptized. They were growing in the word of God. Everything was going so well. But I had been losing my focus on what really mattered. I had been losing the focus of my first love, and I was losing my focus of submitting myself to what God was calling me to do. So for over a year, I completely ignored the calling of God because I didn't want to go anywhere else because, hey, I was obeying God. I was doing ministry. I was seeing success. So clearly he was blessing all of these things. And I kind of had the heart of Saul a little bit where he goes up to the Mount of Carmel and he, he puts a monument for himself and he makes it all about himself. So a year later, a lot of turmoil happened in the church. A lot of craziness happened in the church. And I all but got pushed out the door by that ministry. I loved the people. I loved the church. I loved the ministry that was going on. I loved the warm weather. But I did not show the Lord that I loved him because I was not willing to listen when he was calling me to go. Now, there may be something in your life that God is calling you to do, and you are putting up both hands and you're saying, No, I don't want to go. I'm comfortable where I am. And it's scary. It's scary to take that step of faith. But we cannot say that we love God if we're not willing to follow him. And we can't follow him if we're not willing to take the steps that he has called us to. Ultimately, obviously, I left that church and God has, has, has put me on a beautiful journey but I was not fully submitting myself to the word of the Lord. I was not fully submitting myself to his leadership. And because of that, he did allow me to go through some very dark times in ministry. When we follow the Lord, when we follow his commandments, it is an act of worship. And we see that as we continue this story in verse 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is the sin of divination, it's of the devil, and presumption is in iniquity. And idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Verse 
we can do all of the right things or all the things that we think are good, but if we do not live in obedience to the Lord, we are rejecting Him and we are walking in the ways of the devil. I remember working at Target in, uh, uh, in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania when I was in seminary. And I remember hearing some of my coworkers joke about hell. They're like, yeah, I can't wait to go to hell. I'm going to go to the Target corner. You know, all the Target employees that are going to hell, we're going to go into the Target corner. We're just going to drink and party and have a good time. We talked about hell yesterday, and I told you a little bit of the description of hell. It's dark. It's torture. It's eternal separation from God. There's nothing good about it. The father of all lies makes you completely deceived, and hell was created for him. But anybody he drags with him will go there. We don't want to walk in the path of the father of lies. We want to walk in the father of light. And when we do that, we worship him. Proverbs 21.3, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Psalm 51, 16 and 17, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. How do we worship God? We allow our heart to be broken of the things that he has broken his heart. And we turn that over to the Lord and we say, God, I want to have your heart. Allow me, forgive me, and allow me to obey you and your calling wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Parents, I hope that's our prayer for our children. God, I have no idea what you want me to do with my children other than I want to raise them in you. Do with them as you may. And let me not get in the way of that. That's hard as somebody who likes to be in control. Children, youth, teenagers, you can set this up for yourself now because the choices you make now as a teenager will directly impact the choices that you make when you get older, you find a helpmate or a husband, and you raise your children. The choices and priorities you make now will help drive that moving forward. We can sacrifice all we want. We can go on as many mission trips as we want. We can do anything that we think is the right thing to do. But if we are not obeying the Lord, he does not want any other sacrifices. He wants our obedience because our obedience is worship. Did you know that you can go to Taco Bell and worship God? Did you know that you can play basketball and worship God? Did you know that you can play an instrument and worship God? And I'm not just talking about on Sunday morning or at camp. You can worship God because you're bringing him glory in everything you do. You know the only way you can't worship God? Doing something he doesn't want you to do. If we want to walk in the truth, we have to obey the truth. If we want to show God love, we will follow his commandments and we will make those truths a part of our life. So as we go from here this weekend, my prayer for you and myself is that we walk in truth. John eight thirty two says, 
and you know and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free you do not have to have the bondage and the chains of sin anymore in your life i pray that as you walk away from these doors you will not just hear the truth of this weekend and go back to your normal life I have no authority to tell you to do anything in the world. All I'm doing is giving you the authority given to me by God. I'm giving you his truth because it is the truth. We cannot leave here and not act on the truth. If we choose that, we're rejecting the truth, and that is not a good thing. So I'm going to have everyone stand. I'm going to pray over you as I pray over you. I want to read a challenge from the book of Joshua. You have a chance to pick up all your books and papers and all that in just a minute. But if you'll just join with me for a moment. We are called to stand. We are called to action. We are called to live. We are called to obey. But God in his perfect love gives us a choice. And Joshua and the people of Israel were given a choice. And I want these words to be words that you make a part of your life. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers served beyond the river of Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whom the land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are a God worth serving. Father, I pray for each one here that we will not choose to follow the darkness. I pray that they will see that your ways are truly the better ways, the perfect ways, the righteous ways. Father, I pray that each one of our hearts, each one of our prayers would be, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will walk in the truth, we will live in the truth, we will proclaim the truth boldly. We live in a very dark world, Lord, you've warned us about that, and you've given us a beautiful path to walk in this. You've put us all here in 2023 on purpose, and that is to proclaim your glory to the nations around. So in the words of Joshua, Lord, I pray that we would make a choice, that we would make the choice to follow you, to serve you, to obey you, to walk in you. I pray for these young men and these young women, these leaders, these counselors as they travel back to their homes I pray that you will use them mightily for your kingdom. I pray that you will wash away any doubt, confusion, or fear. I pray that you will remind them who you are and remind them about this beautiful life that you have called us to. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.